Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, for those of you that do not know who I am, I am Ryan Keim. I'm the Next Steps Minister here at Bachelor Creek, and thank you so much for coming and worshiping our Lord and Savior this morning. Um, so we've been talking about the first two months of the year. We've been talking about the Lord's Prayer. We're in the middle, we're, we're closing up this, uh, our sermon series called Your Kingdom Come, and I just wanted to start out with having everybody stand real quick. I know you already stood a couple times, but let's go ahead and stand real quick. And I want you guys to read the Lord's Prayer. It'll be up on your screen, and I want you guys to read it. I'll get you started, and then I'm just going to have you guys read it. Our Father in heaven. Thank you. You can have a seat. Thank you guys so much for doing that. I just wanted to stand up here and listen to you guys say it, and thank you for that blessing. So, again, we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer. And I want to take, I hope from today that we can take what we've been learning, you know, because the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. So I, I pray that we can take what we've been learning for the last two months, and we can actually take it today and learn how to put it into action. So I pray that as we go about today that we can just put everything into action and, and be able to, to show God how, how we, we've learned from his Lord's Prayer here. So if you want, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 5. We're going to be in there all day long. So if you have your Bible or your smartphone or um, an iPad or something, uh, feel free to turn there or there's Bibles in your front seat back. Um, it's also going to be up on your screen. We will be um, reading out of the NLT this morning. So... If you're on your smart device, that's where you'll want to be. So, here we go. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 3 is where we're going to start first at. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus said, or Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now, I just want to, we're just going to talk for that for a second. So David and Tyler this week said I should actually preach from in the boat, and I decided against that. So I thought maybe something might happen because I like to move around, and I probably would have fell out of the boat. So I didn't want that to happen. So um, we, we, you can tell them that I did, but they won't, yeah, they won't believe it. So anyways, um, so looking at that scripture, we see, we see something unique there. We see that Jesus is getting pressed up against, the, the crowd is pressing up against him. So he starts on the shore, and they're pressing up against him. So he's got, he's, he's getting pushed back. Okay, so he's getting pushed back up against the water. So it made me think about, man, what am I getting pressed up against in life? What is pressing me in my job? Maybe, maybe what is pressing you in your job? Or if you're a student, what is pressing you in class? Or what kind of task around the house is getting pressed up against you? Or maybe it's just being a parent. It's just so pressing and tasking, and it's just pressing you up against, and you just feel like your, wall, your back is against the water, and you just... You're just like, man, what, is, what do I do? Or maybe, 
maybe it's just like this. How many of you, last week in our bulletins, we had the, um, the Lent insert because Lent started this week. How many of you actually started to read the Bible plan this week for Lent? Okay, good. Good number of you. How many of you actually flipped it over on the backside and looked at the fasting part? Now, you don't have to raise your hand because not everybody will want to do this. But just think in your head. How many of you have actually started fasting on something? Maybe you've given up not having ice cream every night of the week. Or not drinking pop. Or maybe um, I won't have seconds. Instead, I'll just have one helping. And not just this huge plate, but I'll have a, a nice, modest one helping. So what happens is, is, as we start to feel that pressure, we've made that commitment. We said, I'm going to start reading the Bible, um, doing my Bible reading plan every, every, every day as Lent started. And for many of us, that could be okay. But what happens is, is we get pressed up against stuff. And we start to find ourselves with, the water, with our back up against the water. Because there's so many other options that we can do. There's so many other options we can do. Or, how about this? So, since it's just now March 1st, how many of you did a New Year's resolution this year? Raise your hand. Anybody? Nobody. How many of you set a goal this year? Anybody? Okay, note this. We're going to have to do a serious sermon on goals. No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, so, okay, so I'm just going to share this story with you since you guys don't set goals. I'll show you. No, I'm just, seriously. Anyways, so last year, towards the end of the year, I decided I was going to start working out. Now, I know it doesn't look like I'm working out, but trust me, I'm working out. Um, so come January 2nd, the reason why I asked you about New Year's resolution and goals, come January 2nd, I go to the Y here in Wabash at like 6.15-ish in the morning, okay? And as I'm going, I'm like, man, look at all these cars. What is going on here? But then it dawned on me, it's January 2nd. There's a lot of people that have got New Year's resolutions and goals. So as I struggle to find a parking lot, not really struggle, but I had to park out a lot further than normal. And as I'm walking up, I don't know if many of you know how the Y looks like, but there's this glass that you can look up above into the second level, and you can see the, the people on the treadmills and using that and stuff. But there, I just want you to know there wasn't a single treadmill open on January 2nd at about 6.30 in the morning. Okay? So... As I'm going up there, um, and I don't even know who this lady is, but I'm kind of jealous because she just, like, I'm in there for 45 minutes or so, and, you know, so she's there running on a treadmill before I get there, and she's still running on a treadmill when I leave 45 minutes later. So I'm doing everything I can just to walk on a treadmill for 15 minutes, and she's in there running. But the thing of it is, is I didn't see her that morning, but all the treadmills were full. It wasn't until a little bit later I see her come walking out from the track that's in the round the basketball gym. She comes in from there. So all these people with their New Year's resolutions took her treadmill, so she had to switch over to there. Now, I'm always sharing this story for you because many of us get pressed up against that. We start doing a New Year's resolution, or we set a goal, and we start so hard to do it, or we fast, and we remove pop or, or whatever from your diet, and then things start happening. And then you're like, oh, well, I can't, I don't have time for that. Boy, this, I'm really tired by Friday. I just, man, this getting up early to go work out, is, I just, I, there's no way. About a week and a half after January 1st, guess what? 
there was a lot of open treadmills. So, and if one of you guys, I apologize if one of you guys were up there on January 2nd and you're not there now, but welcome back. You can come back anytime. But no, seriously though, but life presses up against us. Things happen. And we feel like we have one of two choices. When we're getting pressed up against the water, we feel like we have one of two choices. One choice is, is we can succumb to the world. The rest of the world isn't working out at 6.30 in the morning. The rest of the world's still drinking pop or eating ice cream. The rest of the world isn't reading their Bible. So it's okay if I don't. Or I'm pressed up against the water. I can turn and I can go out there and I can drown in my self-sorrows. Oh, I'm the only one that's reading the Bible. There's nobody else in here working out. I can't find anybody to work out with me. Oh, I really wish I could have some ice cream. I really wish I could have some pop. And just drowned out there in your self-pity and your self-sorrow. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When life feels like it's pressing up against you, and you got your backs against the water, get in the boat. Get in the boat. Because we, we don't have just two choices. We saw in Scripture there that Jesus saw there was a boat to the side of him, so he got in it. I just want to share this with you. But if we believe in that same Father in heaven, just like we prayed about, that we boldly prayed to, if we believe in that same Father of heaven, and we pray to him, I, I promise you this, because he will lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As we learned, as we went through the Lord's Prayer. If we also believe in Him, we will know that He will not allow us to be tempted. And He will not allow our temptations to overtake us. Because God is faithful. He will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out. Crowds are pressing against Jesus. He could have said, okay, you guys are coming too much. That's okay. We'll just call it a day for today. Or he could have went out and left him shove him out in the water. And he could have been like, man. But no. God provided a way out. The father that he cried to provided him a way out. So my first point, like I just said, when your back's against the water, get in the boat. Another question, how many of you are baseball fans and are super excited about spring training starting? Okay, we got a couple? Sweet. So a few years back, I used to coach my daughter's softball team when she was playing Little League or Pixie League or whatever you call it down in, in Denver. And one day, my son was playing too, but he was having practice. And so I dropped him off at practice because I wasn't coaching him, but I, I wanted to just kind of hang out. So... I just dropped him off, and I was sitting in the truck, and it was a nice day, so I had the windows down. I was sitting in the truck, and I was just, you know, um, a lot of times I'll take my iPad with me, and I'll read on the Kindle app. So I was just sitting there reading, but something intrigued me that day. As I was watching, I was like, man, look what's going on out there. Just something that really intrigued me. I'm like, you got these guys over here that are dirty, and they got stains all over their pants and their shirts, and then you got this crowd over here that's nice and clean and tuck, shirts tucked in and look nice and clean. So I got to thinking, what's the difference between a clean jersey and a dirty jersey or a stained jersey? So I got to thinking, man, what is it? 
So as I'm sitting there meditating and praying and looking at what God's showing me, I come up with this quote, and I actually put it on the back of our, my daughter's softball team for that year, and it says, the difference between excuses and failures is like the difference between clean jerseys and stained jerseys. Get dirty. So the difference between a clean jersey and a stained jersey is the difference between an excuse and a failure. Now, I want to I read a little bit here. Um, we're going to move on in, the, um, in, in Luke, in Luke chapter 5. I want to read verses 4 through 7 to you guys. <clears throat> it says, when he said, or when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night. And didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down my nets again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in their other boat. And soon, both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. Did you catch the excuse there? Man, I worked hard all night. I'm just going to walk out here and drown in my self-sorrow and self-pity. Or I'm just going to let the world overcome me and say, well, I didn't catch anything tonight. I guess I'll try again tomorrow night. But no, Christ called him to do it today, to put out today. So I want you to ask yourself, do you like when someone gives you an excuse? Think about that. Do you like it when someone gives you an excuse? Okay. Show of hands. How many of you have, how many of you, have given an excuse to somebody before. I'm going to raise both hands because it happens. But we just don't like it. We don't like it when somebody gives us an excuse, but we give them excuses. Think about this for a second. How many of you ever prayed to prayer? Lord, just use me. Lord, show me what you want me to do for you. For your kingdom. How many of you? Go ahead, let's raise our hands again. A lot of us. Now, how many of you have had a friend at work say, hey, can you come help me trim my bushes at home? And you say, I don't have time for that. But over here you're saying, Lord, use me. I want to do your will. But I don't have time for that. Lord, use me. But I don't have time for that. What excuse are you given? God's called you. You're begging him. You're crying out to him. But yet, you're not doing his will. We learned in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 10, it says, May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to grasp this next point. Rather, whether you are discouraged or not in the mood, don't give an excuse when God calls you into the game. I don't care what's going on in life, but if you're crying out to him, and then you give an excuse when he calls you into the game, we're going to keep traveling down this journey with Luke, and we're going to read uh, in Luke chapter 5. 
verses 8 and 9 now. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. I want to look back at my story that I shared with you when I fell that night, on the, on the 14th of February, on that Friday night. So one thing that I decided late, late in the year last year and into 2020 was, is, is I wanted to be able to spend more time with my family and my kids. Because I didn't know, you know, I was still trying to figure out my, my role here and how much time I was going to invest, you know, that I was going to need to invest into this, in my job here at the church. So I used to ref high school basketball. And I decided going into the, the season that I was not going to do it. Because I didn't want to miss my, game, my kids' games. And I wanted to be able to spend extra time with my family. And I didn't want to get overloaded and just be worn out. So I made the commitment not to officiate high school basketball this year. But one thing else I did was I did something else. Starting in January, I decided I wasn't going to uh, umpire high school baseball. And I love baseball. That's my, that's my way of just, it's my hobby. I do it for the hobby. I don't do it for the, the amount of money that they pay me. I love umpire high school baseball. It's fun. There's good games. There's good pitching. There's good hitting. It's a lot of enjoyment for me. But I gave that up because I wanted to invest more time into my family. The problem here is remember my story when I said I fell? That, wasn't, that Friday night was not the first night my son asked me to go sledding with him. It snowed earlier in the week, and he wanted me to go sledding with him earlier in the week. But you know what I did? I gave him an excuse. Oh, no, I got a meeting. We'll do that on Saturday. The snow won't be gone then. So I was pressed up against the water, and I chose to go on out there and drown. And, whoa, you know, I don't have time. I can't do that. Or I succumb to this world and... Well, there's a lot of other dads out there that don't do things with their kids, so it'll be okay. So which is it? Which choice did I have to make? I gave the excuse. See, here's the thing. I shared with you that fall, just like I shared with you that Tuesday night that I spent crying out because I was in so much pain. I spent that night crying out to my Father in heaven. I fell so that I had to fall to my knees to cry out to him for healing. Then he started to heal me. But it wasn't until after I started to heal from my fall that I realized that I failed and had fallen as a father. So I had to fall on my knees before my father. We learn in Matthew, in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 12, it says, and forgive us our sins as we, have been, as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. See, for me, I chose to give my son an excuse. I chose to walk out in the water and drown in my selfish desires and my selfish la of being lazy. 
leads me to my next point that I want to share with you. If you're all struck in amazement, or if you feel unworthy, fall to your knees before Christ. Fall to your knees before him. So I try to read a book at least once a month, a minimum of one book a month. And one of the books I'm reading right now is called Don't Give Up by Kyle Eidman. Um, if you haven't read that book yet, I really strongly, strongly suggest that you read it. If you ever feel like you, you just want to give up, it's a great book. But in that book, he talks a lot about happiness in one of the chapters. And um, in that chapter of happiness, uh, he has two statements in there that are pretty bold. And I want to share those statements with you guys. First one goes like this. This is sometimes called a pleasure paradox or the happy or the happiness illusion. The harder you chase after happiness, the more exclusive it becomes. It turns out that the pursuit of happiness is the shortcut to misery in the clever disguise. I'm going to read that last part again because I want you to get this. The pursuit of happiness is the shortcut to misery in a clever disguise. When we think we're happy, it's just a disguise. He goes on a little bit further in the same chapter and he says, Instead of pursuing pleasure, we pursue God with the promise that, he, that if, he, if we seek him, we will find him. Happy people don't chase after happiness. They chase after God. And happiness pursues them throughout life. Did you get that? I want to read it one more time. Happiness, or happy people don't chase after happiness. They chase after God. And happiness pursues them throughout their life. Pursues them. Happiness will follow you and it will pursue you. And in, in Luke 5 10, we're going to continue in this story. It says, Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. For no, for now, from now on, you will be fishing for people. And he also says what we learned in, in, in the, the Lord's Prayer in Luke or Matthew 6. It says, Give us today our daily bread. When we chase after God, happiness press, pursues us. Happiness becomes a source of our daily bread that God provides us. Because we learn from what Kyle wrote in his book, we learn that if we try to find happiness ourselves, it's just a disguise. But if we chase after God and what he has, that happiness pursues us. It's a source. It's a daily bread that he will provide for us. When we pursue God by fishing for people, that brings pleasure to God. Then he releases that daily bread of happiness for us. My next point is this. When you try to make yourself happy, you are more likely to destroy your relationship with Christ. But when you chase after God, you will find true happiness from him daily. Chase after God, you will find true happiness from Him daily. 
Another book I was read earlier this year is, is a book from Andy Stanley. It's called Irresistible. And in that book, he's, he's got something in there that I want to share with you guys because this, this stuff is great. And it says this. It says, God's love for us is unconditional. But implied in God's unconditional love for us is an obligation. God's love is free, but it's not duty-free. Unlike the old covenant, God's love does not obligate us to do something for him. God is fine. He doesn't need us to do things for him. He will survive without us. He's okay. God's love obligates us to do something for those around us. Why? Because Jesus didn't die for your sins and the sins of your family. He died for all of our sins and all of our families. So in order for us to love those whom he has loved, what does it take? What do we have to do? I titled this message today, Letting Down Your Nets. In Luke 5, 11, it tells us, and as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. They left everything and followed Jesus. For us right here, right now, following Jesus means more than just acknowledging him as your Savior. We must also leave our past and commit our futures to him. We can't just acknowledge him. We actually have to do something. So like I said, I titled this message, Letting Down Your Nets. Jesus said we will be fishers for people, for men. Are you giving him an excuse when he tells you to let your nets down again? Like Peter, like Simon did? If God's love obligates us to love those whom he loves, he calls us to follow him. And he calls us to follow him. Are you dropping and leaving everything to follow him? What are you holding on to? What's that one thing that you're just holding on to that you're not dropping to follow him? Are you letting down your nets? When I started this, when I started communion, I asked you if you believed in the power of prayer and you guys pretty boldly said yes. I want to ask you this question. When is the last time you prayed for the lost people of this world to find Christ as their, as their Savior? When's the last time you actually prayed for a name of a person that you know that doesn't know Christ? You know, because we can, we can succumb to this world and say, you know what, Lord, just save the lost people. When there's all sorts of those lost people right around us, in our jobs, in our schools, when we're in Walmart, down the aisles, they're all over. 
So in your bulletin today, I got, a, I got a prayer that I put down there. I want you to take a moment, and as I read through it, I want you to fill in that blank. Lord, I am leaving everything here in this moment to follow you. I am choosing today to be obligated to love because you love them first. Who's that person? I'm not just talking about save the lost people. Who's that person? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to press you guys up against the water. I'm going to press on you a little bit right now. Why? Because I got pressed on when God shared this message with me. He pressed me up against the water. I'm going to press you guys a little bit. Give you guys a choice, a chance to make the choice of which way you want to go. See, we can, we can take that bulletin and we can write in there, I want to pray I want to pray for a so-and-so. And then we can take that bulletin, we can fold it up, we can stick it in our purse, we can slide it in our back pocket, we can toss it in a trash can on the way out. But I'm going to tell you something, that name means more than just tucking it away somewhere to Jesus. I'm going to step on some toes because this stepped on my toes a little bit. Some of us may be sitting there like this. Ah, uh, well, that's what we hire you pastors for. You guys should be out evangelizing. That's what we got elders and deacons. I, man, I'm not very good at, I just, no, I just can't do that. And just let you succumb to the world and, and go out in the water and drown. Because that's what you're doing. You're just, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. So what's your choice? Are you going to just let the world take you over and say, well, I'll just tuck it away. I did my thing. I wrote their name down. That's good enough. Or are you going to go out in the water and drown because you're not good enough? Because you say you're not good enough. But I'm here to tell you, just like God did for Jesus when he was pressed up against the water, he provided a boat. He provided a boat for you to get into. Like I stated earlier, when your back's against the water, get in a boat. We're using a boat as a, an example today. But when your back's in the water, use what God provides for you to share his good news with those that he puts before you. So again, like I said, I'm pressing you up against the water. It's time to make a choice. Am I going to succumb to this world? Am I going to drown in my self-sorrows, or am I going to allow God to provide a way for me to minister and to witness and to share my testimony and to share his love with those around him? It's even going to get more personal, because right now, I want you to take this time. When, when the, the worship team is getting ready to come up, and when they come up, they're going to start singing those next couple songs. Man, I want you to bring those names. You don't have to bring this piece of paper, this bulletin. You don't have to bring that. I don't care what you wrote on that. I don't need to see it. That name is for you and you and Jesus to decide. But I want you to bring that name up here. And I want you to come up here and just pray for them. Pray that they can find Christ. Pray that they can have a head-on collision. That the only thing that they know when that ha something happens in their life is the only answer to it is it must be Jesus. So I pray. I challenge you. I'm pressing you up against you. To bring that name forward, 
when we get ready to start singing. There's plenty of space up here. Bring that name forward because I'm going to tell you something. That name on that piece of paper, like I just said a minute ago, means more to Jesus than it does to you. He called us to love those whom he has loved. How much do you love Jesus? How much do you care about this person's life, their eternal life? So I challenge you today as we get ready to sing to prepare your hearts. And I pray that you'll come and just give that name and pray for that person. Because they matter to Jesus. Father, I just pray that this morning that we can just, just absolutely lay ourselves down. Lord, that we won't succumb to this world. We won't drown in our self-sorrows. That we won't try to make an excuse. Lord, I pray that when our back's against the wall, our back's against the water, that we'll get into a boat or whatever it is you provide for us, Lord. Lord, I pray that we'll just be able to come here and fall to our knees before you. Lord, I pray that we will be obligated to love those whom you have loved so that we can just bring glory to your name, Lord. Lord, I pray for the people that may be sitting here this morning that just don't know you yet. Lord, I pray that their, their lives will be touched today. I pray that people will pray for them. Lord, I pray that they will come forward and just give their lives to you. And Lord, I pray that you will work in each one of our lives today. As we lay down our nets, as we walk away from that boat full of fish and just walk alongside you because, Lord, we want to do your will. We want to be with you and we want to love people the way you have loved them. Lord, thank you so much and we just ask this all in your son's name.